greet each of you in Jesus' name this morning. As I was finishing up my notes for the message, I realized that what I was sharing was kind of a parallel with what I shared here the last time I I preached here. And um, some of you were here, some of you were not. That message was fulfilled by relationships. And um, when Davey said something to me about preaching for him this morning, well, I thought I'm involved in Winter Bible School and I'll just pull some of my notes from Winter Bible School and make a sermon out of my notes from, from Bible School. So Travis gets to hear some rerun from, I'm sorry, Winter Bible School. Travis gets to hear some reruns from Winter Bible School. Uh, this past week. And what I'm teaching on is victorious Christian living. And when they put my name down for teaching a class for that Bible school, they had me on a different subject. And I selected this subject because of some things that, or I asked for this subject because of some things God had done in my life over the past couple of years. And uh, it it related very, very much to my Christian experience and living in Christian victory. And Christian victory should be very real to all of us. should be something that we should be striving for and something that should be part of our thoughts, part of our goals as Christian people. So in talking about a journey, the last couple of years has really been about a 10-year journey. And um, there were two questions that stand out to me in that journey that sparked some things in my life that caused me to dig and search and look into the Scriptures and change the course of my Christian victory or my Christian experience. The first question was, who am I? And the second question was, do I know Jesus? And the second question is the one we're going to focus on this morning. But these two basic things, who God is and who we are, how do we come to an accurate understanding of those, of those things? And I believe that first, we need to come to know Jesus before we can understand who we are. We have to understand who God is. We have to come to know Him. Turn, if you would, for a text, verses to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Now, these questions came to me in the order that I gave them to you. It's first a search of who I was, and then I remember walking out of church a couple years ago and just thinking, I don't remember what the message was about that Sunday or anything, but I remember thinking, do I really know Jesus? And that caused me to think, did I really know Him? John 17, verse one, verses 1 to 4. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also, also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I'm not going to spend much time on those verses right now, but and, and verse 3 is going to come back up. But that verse recently has just really been working through my through my mind. You know, we we have this idea or this goal of eternal life. And Jesus is saying, This is life eternal, that they may know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so if we have an idea or we have a goal of eternity, then it is expedient that we know God and we know Jesus Christ. So I'm just giving that to you as a background. We're going to come back to verse 3 again later in the message. I have two verses for you to think about. First uh, John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when we think about victorious Christian living, victorious implies two opposing sides of which you are the overcomer. Christian identifies you as someone who is following Christ. And living is your experience. What you are experiencing is the reality of your life. That's your living. And here it's saying in 1 John 5, 4, that whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We move on to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is his existence and that he is a rewarder, his goodness, of them that diligently seek him. So we have faith and we have God, his existence and his goodness. And we have those who diligently seek him. They are the ones who will be rewarded. And He rewards, God rewards all honest pursuit of Himself. It comes through time and time again in the Scripture. Let's think just a little bit from God's perspective. And while I'm talking, I want you to look up Revelation 4 verse 11. Let's think from God's perspective before the world was. God created the world. And in doing that, he formed the world. He, he spoke light into existence. He spoke the world into existence. And then he began to put in place the things that we know of as a natural world. And then he said, let us make man in our image. 
So we know that story well, but we do, do we know the answer to this question? Why did God make mankind? Delmar, do you have that verse? Revelation 4.11? If you, that's all right. You have it? Okay. Go ahead, Delmar. So we often think when we think, thank you. We often think when we think about God creating man that he did so for his glory. And God does deserve our glory. But did you catch what was at the end of that verse? For thy pleasure they are and were created. And as, as God was forming the earth, as he was thinking about the creation of man, he had a pleasure in mind. He had something that he was anticipating. It was a pleasure from that creation. By creating man in his image, God had a special pleasure, special to the rest of the creation, to be known. God wanted to be known by us. And that's why he created us in his image. A.W. Tozer says this, we are in little, our sins accepted, or our sins taken away, we are in little what God is in large. Being made in His image, we have within us the capacity to know Him. We've been given a capacity to know Him. But along with that, we've also been given a capacity to hold Him at arm's length to hold him at bay. Tozer goes on to point out, religion, so far as it is genuine, is in essence the response of created personalities to the creating personality, God. And then he inserts the verse from John 17, 3, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. God is a person, and in the deep of his mighty nature, he thinks, wills, enjoys, feels, loves, desires, and suffers as any other person may. In making himself known to us, he stays by the familiar pattern of personality. He communicates with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. I want you to catch this from the quote especially. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of New Testament religion. End of quote. He's saying that God is a person, not in the sense of a human, but in the sense of His relational capacity that people have. That God Himself has a personality. And that He longs to be known with us as personalities. God wants to be known by us. So what is the difference between knowing a person and knowing about a person? You see, 
there is a difference. And we don't always define that difference, but there is a difference. And I'll just pull someone out of history. George Washington. Do you know George Washington? Do you know about George Washington? You see, I know some facts about George Washington, and those facts are true, but I don't know the kind of person George Washington was, really. Deep down inside, I don't have that personal relationship with him, that I need to know him. Now you see, Dana and I have been married for 19 years. And we have learned to know each other pretty well during that time. Now we will probably learn to know each other better. But I don't just know facts that are true about her life. I've learned to know her personality. And you see in that, there is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And God is not really interested I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. What's God, what God, God's interest is, is in that we know Him. Not that we simply know about Him, but that we know Him and come to know Him as a friend, as a father. A father who loves us. He desires to be known to the extent that He's willing to give His Son for us. 1 John 4, 7. Behold. Sorry. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested or made known the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. The manifestation of God's love. Sending His Son to us. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In those verses it says that God is love. And between that passage that I just read and John 14, 6, that says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We know that it is through the expression of God's love that we actually find Him. Through Jesus. In Jesus, we see the personality of God. The personal God. His love, compassion, His truth, His grace and power. Jesus is the revealer of God, the express image of His person. You see, Jesus, the disciples wanted to, they wanted to see the Father. And so they asked Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you and you haven't seen me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You see, by seeing Jesus, by knowing Jesus, we know the Father. We come to know Him. So God has revealed Himself to us, but not only has He revealed Himself to us, 
but he's doing a personal work of drawing us to him. In John 6, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 12, 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So there's not only God revealing himself in, a, in the sense of, of us being able to see who he is, but he is also drawing us, desiring a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator and made, no, made known through Jesus Christ. That's a quote from Pascal. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And this, this quote kind of brings together the drawing of God and our deep inner longing to know Him. And so often we try to fill that with created things. So often we look around us to try to fill that need that we have deep within to satisfy it. And oftentimes we look for human relationships to do that. And we were created for human relationship. But primarily, we were created for relationship with God. And it is through that relationship then that the other can be full. So who will find God? Them that diligently seek Him. Man must pursue God in response to that divine drawing. How many of you are in a one-sided relationship? You see, there are relationships where, where people make effort that the other person doesn't respond. And because of that, that relationship always lacks what it could be because of that lack of response. And God has extended Himself. He's extended His love. He's drawn us. He's placed within us a need for Him. And yet, if we do not respond, that relationship cannot be full. It cannot be fulfilled. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You see, God's done a previous work and He's calling us to a present response to that work. Do you have that longing in your heart that the psalmist speaks about? My soul thirsteth for God. Are you desiring to know that personal God? And when we find Him, and when we find Him, it is not an end in itself, but a beginning. You see, relationship 
at finding is only the beginning, not the end. Quote from Tozer again, The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life and regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship with, to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end, but an inception. For now begins the glorious pursuit, the heart's happy exploration of the infinite riches of the Godhead. That is where we begin, I say. But where we stop, no man has yet discovered. For there is in the awful and mysterious depths of the triune God neither limit nor end. To have found God and still to pursue Him is the soul's paradox of love, scorned indeed by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in the happy experience by the children of the burning heart. You see, it's about a heart that is longing to know its creator. And having found him, longs for more. It's like the heart of a husband or a wife who longs to know their spouse better and better and better, and in so doing improves the relationship day by day. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the soul of the redeemed man is the throbbing heart of God's Word to us. It's captured well in the hymn, Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts. And Brian, I'd like to sing that song as the final song. It's number 86, I believe, in the church hymnal after the message. Thy truth unchanged hath ever stood. Thou savest those that on thee call. To them that seek thee, thou art good. To them that find thee, all in all. We taste thee, O thou living bread, and long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. That's the second and third verses of that song. Think about the, sa the saints of old. Moses, in Exodus 33, 13, says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, shew me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. He said, I found grace in your sight. Now help me to know you so that I can find grace in your sight. He, wa he wants to go beyond. And consider that this nation is thy people. And he followed that in verse 18. That was verse 13. He followed that in verse 18 with, and he said, I beseech thee, shew me thy glory. And God responded and made his glory to pass before Moses. You see, that's an ongoing relationship. How about in the Psalms? Can you hear David's longing heart for his Creator? His longing heart for that relationship and that closeness with God. And God responds, a man after my own heart. Turn to the book of Philippians. 
in chapter 3. And this is the cry of Paul's heart. Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings and being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain at the resurrection of the dead, not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which were behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul's coming to the end of his life and he's saying, you know, this has been my goal. This has been my, my vision. I gave up everything that I was to know Christ. And I have not fully attained to that. And I'm pressing on. I'm reaching out. Because I want to lay hold of the resurrection. We see his goal in verse 10, to know. In verse 8, he gave up everything for that to happen. But notice the progression that precedes the knowledge in verse 10. It says that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, and conforming to His death. He lays out what knowing Christ will mean. But yet, for human fulfillment, for victory, for Christian victory, it's the only way we're going to experience Christian victory is to know God and to pursue Him. So we must by faith pursue the person of God, and explore an intimate relationship with Him.